What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, Hey, Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Joe McCormick. And uh, Lauren is not asleep. She's actually feeling under the weather, so she's not here. She might be asleep. She, I mean, she if could, she's feeling she under the weather, just, I hope she's asleep. She just emailed me. So, oh. I mean, she could be a sleep emailer. But uh, this is kind of leading into the fact that we're going to talk about the future of sleep. So it was actually on topic for once. Okay. I'm hoping that in the future we can just phase out sleep entirely. It's just a waste of time. I'm one of those people who, I mean, like... I, I enjoy getting rest when I've been working hard and I'm very tired, but, you know, it, it would be great to just have more time in the day. Well, you know, there there are uh, I've seen people say that if you were able to adopt a an ideal sleeping schedule as an ideal as in this is the least amount of time that you could theoretically spend sleeping, that you would uh, essentially have the equivalent waking hours to get uh, 11 more years of life 
if you started in your early 20s. Yeah, I wonder if that's one of those things being propagated by these uh, weird sleep pattern enthusiasts on the Internet. Yeah, we'll get to that and talk about what those weird sleep patterns are and uh, the implications of them. Yeah, well, okay. so if we're going to talk about the future of sleep, hacking sleep, uh, how sleep patterns can change over time. First, we should talk about sleep itself, because it's kind of a weird and mysterious topic in science. Yeah, in fact, uh, there's still a lot we do not know about the sleep cycle. Isn't um, that weird? It is weird to think like this is something that we all do. You know, we all do it regularly. Uh, whether or not you get good sleep or not, you still, I assume, are going to sleep. Or I don't know how you're listening to this podcast. Um, so... From a survival perspective, it at first seems kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine how it would confer an evolutionary advantage to lay down and expose yourself to predators for eight hours or however long. Well, let's let's think about this for a second. So there are a lot of different theories about what happens when we're asleep, and we'll get into those. But one thing I might suggest as a reason why we need to have this, this time to sleep is just purely, and this this is just a, a hypothesis here. There's no necessarily science to back this up, but purely from an energy perspective, right? Uh -huh. it, it it requires energy for us to be awake. We're active. We we consume energy. That's why we have to eat throughout the day in order to maintain that level of energy, or else we are no longer uh, capable of being uh, active and alert. If we were active and alert all the time, we would require to eat more frequently. And because we're not evolved to be able to do something like, I don't know, navigate pitch black darkness without falling over ourselves and hurting ourselves, uh, being able to gather food or hunt food okay. at night, we we can't. It, it's harder for us to do that. So it may be that it's evolutionary beneficial for us to go ahead and. Well, shut down during the time of day when we can't really be effective. It's just a cut your losses. It's a calculated risk to say, like, you're not going to be doing much useful at night anyway, and you're going to be burning all these calories. That's the hypothesis. And keep in mind that when we're talking about evolution, evolution happens over the course of hundreds of thousands of years, right? Because you could argue, well, today we've got artificial lights, you know, the, the difference between night and day is not as great. But it's not like we could evolve past what we have already established in the relatively short amount of time. Like, if you're looking on a, a geological scale, it's a blink of an eye since we've had any kind of artificial light source. Uh, yeah, well, we, we can't evolve that fast as a whole species, but it might be interesting that some certain individuals of the human race have a certain mutation that helps them in this environment where we have artificial light and can do things useful at night. But first, uh, and we'll talk about that later also. Yep. Uh, first, let's back up and talk about other animals. Do, do sure. all animals sleep? No, no. Mammals, birds, and reptiles sleep. All right. Huh. So they're the higher vertebrates. You can think of it that yeah. way. So when you're looking at the animal kingdom, the higher vertebrates all sleep. So like more complex brains. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That would be part of it. More complex nervous systems would probably be a better way of putting it. But yes, uh, if you look at fish and amphibians, uh, most of those have some means of shutting down some of their awareness, but they're still not asleep. They're still awake, but they're kind of it's like they go to impulse power. Instead of warp speed. Okay. Right. So they, they're able to power down a little bit and, and uh, recuperate, but they don't go to sleep sleep. 
Uh, insects may not sleep at all, but they just have periods of activity versus inactivity, whether it's day or night or whatever. It depends on the insect. Okay. But they don't go to sleep. Uh, other thing that's interesting that's related to this is dreaming. And we'll talk a lot about dreaming in this episode <laughs> as well. But reptiles do not dream. Really? They don't. Birds dream a little bit and all mammals dream. And this is based off of various scientific studies where the scientists were monitoring brainwave activity during sleep cycles for these various types of animals. So uh, the next time you see like a, an alligator and you're wondering what's that alligator dreaming of, the answer is nothing at all because alligators don't dream. Wow. Not even delicious raw chicken? Nope. Nope. They just they, – to them, the world just goes away for a while <laughs> and then it comes back. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, the, that that's the basics. But then we get into some other, you know, this raises some other questions like, all right, so these larger, the, the more developed vertebrates uh, all all sleep and, and so most of them dream uh, to some extent. Um, why is this happening? Why, why do our bodies even need to sleep in the first place? Um, do we grow while we sleep? Well, as when we're children, we do. Yeah. Because when you're a kid and you are sleeping, your body releases uh, growth hormone. And so it's very important in those phases. It doesn't release during your wake cycle. So when you're awake, you know, you, you, this growth hormone doesn't get secreted. But when you go to sleep, it does. Uh, also, um, very important for our immune system. If you were to suffer sleep deprivation for long enough, your immune system would start to really suffer as a result. Uh, you end up kind of secreting, again, these chemicals in your body that help maintain your immune system. So sleep's very important there, too. Um, and, you know, also there are other hypotheses out there that, are, again, are, are there may be a lot of truth to them. There may be very little truth. It may be that all of them are true. But things yeah. like that's when our body repairs itself. Yeah. So if you were to suffer injury, then when you're sleeping, your body can really get on to the job of, of fixing tissue and getting, you know, uh, uh, shedding dead cells, that kind of stuff. I know there are a lot of different hypotheses about what's going on in the brain during sleep. Like, uh, yeah. is it, are there sort of necessary internal brain maintenance tasks yeah, that happen only when you're asleep? That's a big one. The idea that, you know, there are a lot of different theories about what's going on when you're dreaming mm -hmm. uh, and that whether or not dreaming is part of your brain trying to make sense of the information that you've gathered since you were uh, last asleep. So it's kind of like, you know, the filing of at the end of the day, sort of that kind of thing, uh, or that it's just kind of getting rid of nonsense information. There are a lot of different hypotheses out there, but there are some things we can de definitively point at. One is that when you go to sleep, your breathing rate slows down, your heart rate slows down, uh, and your brain begins to generate different types of brain waves. So these mm -hmm. waves, you know, they have oscillation frequencies, these right? These are electrically measurable. Yeah. If yeah. you put, if you put in a, uh, uh, you know, you put sensors on the on the the skull, and you're reading those brain waves, just like you've probably seen in some uh, television shows or movies. Uh, you could actually monitor the brain activity. And normal wakeful activity, you have alpha waves that are generated when you're kind of, you know, in a relaxed, chilled out state. Mm -hmm. uh, beta waves are generated when you're really alert. So those are the two that are the most frequent in your in your wakeful. Uh, moments. When you go to sleep, uh, you start to generate uh, different brain waves, uh, the delta waves and the theta waves. Um, so these are slower. They have slower or lower frequencies, I should say. Mm -hmm. 
and the slower pattern kind of indicates how deep a sleep you're in. And the, the slower the pattern, the deeper the sleep. So it's harder to wake someone up when they're having uh, delta wave activity. And these are uh, variable based on your sort of your sleep cycle, right? That you go through different stages of sleep. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, your activity does change. Uh, there are times when the activity starts to spike, like in REM sleep. That's rapid eye movement sleep. This is when we're talking about dreaming. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if you've ever been awakened while you were in REM sleep, then you probably have at least some recollection of what your dream was. Uh, it's a lot harder to remember for most people what they dreamed or didn't dream uh, if they wake up in non-REM sleep. It's just because the activity is removed from when they actually wake up. Mm. Um, and most people have between three to five uh, sessions of REM sleep per night. Uh, it tends to be about a quarter of a typical good night's sleep. So you get about 25% uh, REM sleep and 75% non-REM sleep. You know, it's again, this also appears to be pretty important. Uh, it's one of those things that if you don't get that REM sleep, that's considered like you can start suffering sleep deprivation. So you could, you know, catch little naps here and there. But if you're not getting REM sleep, you're not getting that restful sleep. You don't you don't that, feel that's, rested. That's the hard stuff. Yeah, it's it's what's really good. It's the stuff when you when you wake up after a really good night's sleep and you feel refreshed, it's because you had that REM sleep. So it's not just because you were inactive and restful. It's because this has been going on. Okay, so this is really useful. What happens to the body when we don't get enough sleep? And I can speak from experience on this one. <laughs> Bad uh, juju. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's no fun. I, I went through a lot of years in my life when I was not getting a whole lot of sleep. Um, yeah. I, it's more recent in my life that I've started getting better sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I just in, you know, college, grad school. Uh, I don't know why. Right. I was just one of those people. <laughs> so how many all nighters have you done? Lots? Uh, oh, uncountable. Yeah. I, uh, I've only done a few. I am one of those people who I, I, I realize what my severe limitations are if I don't have enough sleep because they affect me really. I mean, it's just, it's obvious if I haven't had enough sleep. Have you um, ever had hallucinations? I have. I have too. I have. Uh, not, not, now these aren't like lucid, crazy hallucinations. Like I'm seeing a monster climbing out of the floor. It's more like, I remember things like, uh, after going like, you know, days in a row with almost no real sleep of any kind, seeing, uh, feeling like I had seen something move in my peripheral vision and I'd turn to look and there'd be nothing there. For me, it was a point where I could no longer read text <laughs> because it would look like it was melting to me. Wow. Um, yeah, I got to a point where I would try and read something and then I would start to nod off immediately. Um, I've also I've also gotten to the point where I started uh, talking without realizing what I was saying. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there's a great story about a friend of mine driving me home from the airport after a trip where I got no sleep, really. And apparently I had some entertaining, absurd, surreal things to say, <laughs> had no connection to anything connected to reality at all. Uh, and that was because I had sleep deprivation. So, I mean, if you're talking about going like a like a day without sleep or a day without enough sleep, you're talking about things like maybe not being able to focus as yeah. as much upon a task as you normally would. Or it's, it's pretty standard for people to report uh, after just one bad night's sleep that they they lose focus and yeah. that they uh, have decreased competence at standard tasks. Right. Or that, and also that things irritate them a little more easily than it 
might otherwise that that their their threshold for being irritated is lower. Right. Um. And but there are some serious effects that can happen. Like those hallucinations are pretty bad. But I mean, there's some even worse effects that can happen. Well, you can actually die yeah. from lack of sleep. In fact, uh, you know, this is one of those wonderful tests that science has, has shown us, which, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that it's important to know. It's upsetting to think of the actual uh, circumstances, but scientists would keep rats awake and watch to see what happened with the rats. Um, and the you know, it got to a point where rats that had been um, forced to stay awake for several days in a row would begin to die. And, uh, you know, like we said, like the going to sleep that has the means of uh, helping regulate your immune system. So there are definite uh, health risks to not getting enough sleep. Uh, yeah. And it's a pretty widespread phenomenon yeah. that people don't get enough sleep in the United States, at least. Uh, the CDC, they estimated that 40.6 million American workers, which is about 30 percent of all the people on the job are sleep deprived. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, see here. This is talking about a, the Singapore management university said that workers were wasting time, more time than, uh, than your average worker. If they got less sleep. Yeah. This is uh from a, from a wall street general report on sleep deprivation. It, it's a huge problem and it's estimated to account for, billions of dollars of lost productivity in the American workforce. So just, I mean, just for zoning out, you know, people not being as efficient at tasks that they do every day. Right. Right. Having to redo something perhaps, or, or just taking extra time to be able to do something that normally you'd be able to accomplish in half the time, whatever, like there are measurable effects. Right. So, Getting sleep is important to you. It's important for your health. It's important for just being the kind of person you want to be. Yeah. Um, but it's also important on on a large scale in, in your society. Like it's sure. important if you are a government, you actually you want to make sure people are getting enough sleep because it, it, it has large scale implications. That's that's definitely true. So. One of the things I saw that uh, you wanted to talk about was the kinds of sleep patterns we see in nature. Yeah. um, Keeping all the things that we just talked about in mind, that sleep deprivation is a really serious problem with serious health effects and Mm -hmm. serious effects to productivity and, and all those kinds of things. It still would be great if we could maybe get more time, if we could find a way to sleep less and in a way that's effective. totally still healthy, right. that you're just as healthy, just as happy, with, with no negative effects to your to your body, your brain, and your and your quality of life. Sure. Um, and so the first thing I wondered about is, well, is the way we sleep now, the the way most Westerners sleep now, so one long chunk of sleep at night that is supposed to be around eight hours or so. Right. Is that normal? Is that normal to the, the species? So, yes and no. So, first of all, there, there are two main types of sleep patterns that you find in the animal world. Uh, monophasic, which is this idea of having a big That's chunk of time. The one chunk, yeah. Yeah. And then there's polyphasic, which is where you divide this up over multiple like sleep sessions throughout a, a particular cycle. Yeah, and a lot of these polyphasic, that's actually going to be biphasic, meaning you sleep twice. Yeah, biphasic, you would uh, you could argue, is sort of outside of polyphasic. Polyphasic, I think of as a 
what my dog does. Right, right. Which, my, uh, I am a fairly recent dog owner, and I've been noticing these these dog behavior patterns. My new puppy will sleep for an hour, then get up and come look at me and wag his sweet little tail, and then go lie down and sleep for another hour <laughs> and repeat. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very typical with canines. And then you have other animals. You have like cats that'll sleep for hours and hours and hours, and then they'll be active. Yeah. Um. So those that's the difference between monophasic and polyphasic. And then you can have depending upon the type of animal. If it's you know nocturnal, then it's sleeping during the day. It may have a it may be monophasic, but its sleep session is in the daytime, not in the nighttime. Yeah, I've um heard examples of people saying that in history. People didn't necessarily always sleep in just one chunk. Well, yeah, biphasic is something that is fairly common and it's still common in some parts of the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, biphasic is this idea. If you go to Italy and they close all the shops yeah. in the early afternoon. Or Spain as well. Yeah. Spain is also does this. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's the, the whole siesta idea. Yeah. So biphasic means that you're dividing up your sleep into two sessions, but they're not equal. Right. You've got one longer session, which is the one at night, tends to be between five and seven hours for most of the these these uh, implementations. Sometimes it could be, you know, five to eight hours, something like that. And then you take a second session of sleep around the sixth hour of your day, whenever that day starts. Mm -hmm. Your day is dependent upon when you wake up and when you get up. So it's not like it's always going to be at this X hour. It's going to be six hours after you've awakened. And then you take another sleep that could be anywhere from a half hour to an hour and a half uh, long nap. And then you're awake and alert for the rest of the day. And in fact, great apes tend to be biphasic. So uh, humans tend to be biphasic. But uh, most of us work in, in the Western world are working in environments where uh, taking a nap in the middle of the day is discouraged, <laughs> not not something you can typically do. And if you think about it, humans are not you know, when we're when we're babies, we're polyphasic. We're 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 not, you know, uh, monophasic or biphasic when we're babies. We're polyphasic. But we gradually kind of move into a biphasic phase. That's where you have the kid who will sleep through the night, but also take a nap in the afternoon. Uh, and then eventually society pressures us into being monophasic, even though. All of us know that around 2 p.m. it would be awesome if we could just lay down and go to sleep and no one judged us. <laughs> or at least by all of us, I mean me. So um, so naturally speaking, but for most people, keeping in mind that this is, you know, this is a blanket statement and there are always exceptions to rules. Most people would do best with monophasic or biphasic sleep on their own. But that doesn't mean that people haven't tried to come up with some uh, alternatives. Yeah, so I want to transition to talking about hacking sleep. Okay. Can we do it? Can you give yourself more waking hours without hurting your level of energy when you are awake or your alertness or your competence at tasks or your health? Right. Can you can you get just as good a quality of life with less time in bed? Well, there's some famous historical figures who have been uh, – the 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 idea of getting very little sleep or uh or this whole polyphasic approach where you're taking naps throughout the day uh seems to uh, have been attributed to them but uh most of them are the questionable questionable yeah yeah the, Leonardo da Vinci is a big one that's the big example yeah, yeah so he he's the one everybody talks about he's a you know great Italian polymath of the Renaissance yeah um painter inventor of 
everything basically. Yep. yep. Uh, at least on paper. Right. <laughs> I don't it know. Did, didn't necessarily build everything, but he sure did invent a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, but he is famous for uh, supposedly taking advantage of polyphasic sleep. So he would take uh, a number of naps throughout the day instead of one long chunk, and it would total to much less time than the average person spent sleeping in their in their chunks at night. Yeah. Um, but that he would function perfectly well with this. I have had a hard time confirming this, and I'm very suspicious that it's an urban legend. I'm pretty sure it it is. Uh, the the next one you have on our list is actually a little bit more uh, of a credible uh, example in a way. Yeah. So uh, Buckminster Fuller, mm-hmm. Bucky. Yep. Tell us about him, Jonathan. Well, Bucky was supposedly getting by on just taking half hour naps. Uh, according to Dr. Wozniak, Dr. Piotr Wozniak, who's a, a biologist who's written extensively on the subjects of polyphasic sleep and, and monophasic sleep, biphasic sleep as well, um, suggests that perhaps this was a, a reputation that was not fully accurate, that it was more that uh, Fuller would take naps whenever he could, but would also grab like a decent six hours sleep uh, whenever the opportunity arose. It's just that sometimes the schedule would not allow it. <laughs> I guess it's hard to prove something like this. Yeah. So beyond Da Vinci and Bucky, we have a few other names that are sometimes associated with this idea of polyphasic sleep. And they are um, there's some pretty, pretty impressive names, if only there were evidence to support the fact that they were actually polyphasic sleepers. Uh, Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. So the rivals <laughs> the of sleep the sleep wars, you know, the sleep wars right after the uh, the the current wars. Uh, Winston Churchill. Uh, Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson have all been listed as being uh, polyphasic sleepers, even though there's not really evidence to support that. Now, Thomas Jefferson was the first one I heard because I actually had a friend in high school who was enthusiastic about the idea of, you know, what's commonly called on the Internet sometimes the Ubermensch sleep schedule. Right. Uh, This idea that, oh, well, you know. It's only because we're we're just not evolved enough that we're still sticking to this old kind of sleep. If you're really with it, if you know what's up, you'll take four 15-minute naps a day. Or, or it's ma- more like half hour. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like six half hour because it's, it's usually it – it adds up to three hours sleep <laughs> right, total right, right. for a 24-hour period. Well, there, there are different – uh, incarnations. Yes, there of are. This there are a lot of different versions of this. Uh, but I had a friend in high school who I remember talking about this. I, I obviously, I don't know if he actually did it. He was at least interested in the idea for a while, and I, I remember him talking about trying to do it. But he stopped talking about it after a while, which makes me wonder if it didn't work. Yeah. As I think in a lot of cases, these people who talk about it end up stopping talking about it because yeah, it doesn't work. There's. It, yeah, I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk more about that in a second, too. I've got a friend. His name is Eric Sandine. I'm mm-hmm. calling him out only because we talked about this on a uh, a, a different podcast that I do occasionally. A mm-hmm. uh, friend of mine who decided he wanted to try this polyphasic sleep thing. And when he told me about it, I said, Eric, you are a crazy person. Uh, but he was determined to try it. And I think he might have attempted it for a day before deciding that that is probably not the best way of, of doing this. Well, I don't want to make it sound too crazy or anything. I mean, like my friend in high school who tried this, he was a smart, capable guy. And a lot of the people you see talking about uh, showing enthusiasm, at least for this plan online, 
they don't seem like complete nuts. No, but I'm I'm skeptical that it would actually well, work. Let me explain what you're, what's supposed to happen here. Yeah. According to polyphasic sleep, the idea is that you can get three hours total sleep per 24 hour period and have the rest of the time dedicated to waking hours where you can actually do whatever you want. Video games for five hours. Yeah. Right? Or <laughs> you know, or you're inventing. Or, yeah, curing inventing cancer noise. for five hours. Although people who try polyphasic sleep appear to have difficulty uh, concentrating on any effort that requires learning or really or have, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like like they can do certain things really well, but anything that requires lots of mental processes, particularly learning, learning new information becomes really difficult. But the idea is that you, you split up your polyphasic sleep. You got these short nap sessions that are spread uh, throughout the day. So you get you get six breaks, essentially. So and those six breaks, you sleep half an hour each. And uh, this is one implementation of this approach. Um, and the idea is that at first your body and your brain are like, what is going on? I can't <laughs> I, you know, I need to go into REM sleep so that you don't go crazy. Right. And you don't your health doesn't fall <laughs> apart. So you, you train your brain. Yeah. The idea is that after you get through the initial uh, resistance of your brain saying this is wrong, you should go to sleep now. Um, that after a couple of days, your brain says, fine, if you're going to be this way, then I'll go ahead and go into REM sleep as soon as you go to sleep. Well, here's the deal. When you, when you suffer sleep deprivation for a long time, it is true that you will go into REM sleep faster when you do go to sleep than you would if you were getting regular night's sleep all that time. So Joe, if you, if you went and you were having uh, eight hour sleep for like three weeks, you'd go into REM sleep eventually after you fall asleep. You, you would get there. But if you stayed up for three days and then you went to sleep, you would hit REM sleep earlier than you would have been during that uh, nice long uh, stretch of, of plenty of sleep each night. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that if you were able to engineer this and plan it out so that you have this half hour break, you would go into REM sleep nearly instantly as soon as you drift off. And that you, that would be enough for it to sustain you for the next several hours until you had your next break, which would then sustain you till the next break, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, here's the thing. Um, the experts I was looking at, including Dr. Piotr Wozniak, suggest that this is a terrible idea. Yeah. That, that it, it is uh, not likely to work. That, you know, while the, the basics are kind of sort of based on truth, they're not themselves true. That uh, being able to go right into REM sleep does not necessarily mean you're getting all the benefits you would with sleep, including and probably most importantly, that immune system boost that you need. Yeah, if we don't know everything about sleep yet, which we certainly don't, it seems premature to assume that if you're just getting that that one of those four stages of sleep, that's going to be fine. Right. And we don't if we don't know exactly what all those other stages do. Yeah, he, he looked into it quite a bit. He actually even conducted interviews with people. He said that in every case he was looking at, people who adopted this approach gave up on it after a short while because it just, <laughs> and because their health was failing. They were not, they were not feeling great. Some yeah. of them were having difficulty being able to concentrate on tasks for very long. Uh, he says, you know, there are plenty of YouTube videos out there where if you watch the people who are talking about, it, you're just saying, man, this person needs 
a, a good night's sleep. I mean, it's just it's there. It looks rough. And he also talked about how a lot of them would end up coming down with colds or the flu mm. because their immune systems were compromised. They couldn't fight off these diseases that otherwise, if they had had healthy sleep, they may have been able to. You know, you can't necessarily say there's a direct role there. Right. But there's enough of a correlation to make you, you know, concerned. And according to his studies and you know, he's written a couple of different articles that are available online that are really helpful uh, and go into this in detail. Um, it's just that, you know, people are generally monophasic or biphasic um, that, you know, we tend to to work best under that. And in fact, a lot of the names we mention, like uh, like uh, Edison, are really biphasic and not polyphasic, that they would get, you know, a few hours sleep at night, few being like between five and seven and then they would take they would rest in the afternoon. Um, and uh, and so most of those names, that's exactly what we from those that we know what their sleep patterns were like. That's what they did. So it wasn't so much this whole, you know, take a nap and then work for hours and then take a nap. It was more get a night's sleep and then take a nap in the afternoon, which, again, just like to point out again, I think we should all be doing. <laughs> and if they would just put cuts into the office, I would be happy to do it. I'd have no trouble sleeping in my chair if that just uh, didn't annoy everyone and make me look unprofessional. Yeah. So, I mean, trying to hack your sleep this way is probably not a great idea. Okay. Well, let's transition to another solution. Okay. Is it possible that drugs could give us more hours in the day without harming our health? Well, Well, I'd say... Until you said that second part. Yeah. (laughs) So the first part is definitely true. Yes, you can use drugs to stay awake longer, um, and lots of people do. In fact, lots of us use caffeine to do this. Yeah, I I recently gave it up, but yes, I was was heavily dependent upon it until recently. Good on you, because it turns out, uh, so some of the most familiar stimulants you'll know about, like caffeine, amphetamines, they're actually pretty effective. At giving you the ability to stay awake, yeah. What's or happening? To wake you up. It's it's releasing neurotransmitters yeah. that either pro, uh, they either promote wakefulness or they inhibit ev- the neurotransmitters that would uh, that would cause you to be sleepy. So it, in some cases, it's you know just perking you up by by uh, adding a boost to the the chemicals in your brain that keep you awake, and in some, it's just keeping the ones that would put you to sleep at bay. Yeah, definitely. It does not make health sense at all to rely on amphetamines. That's not going to get you anywhere. No. And uh, and it really does help to not rely too much on caffeine either. Yeah. In fact, I was uh, reading recently about how caffeine uh, has been linked, not not a not a proven correlation here or, you know, not a causation thing, but has been linked to uh, increases in things like cardiovascular diseases mm. and that uh that, you know, limiting caffeine is is good. Like if you you can have some caffeine, in fact, there's some health benefits to a little caffeine in your diet, but uh, you don't tend to want to consume too much of it after, say, 2 p.m. or so, because it can actually interfere with your sleep cycles, even so much that, you know, let's say that you have some caffeine six hours before you go to sleep and you think you got a great night's sleep. Sleep studies have shown that people who had caffeine as late as that, like within that six hour time frame, were still having uh, interrupted sleep cycles and that it was, you know, that's how how far caffeine can stretch. uh, Its effects can stretch. So just one of those things that, you know, if you can if you can kind of uh, 
have a if you really rely on caffeine, if you can have your main caffeine boost and not I'm not talking about going crazy and getting like a 48 ounce coffee at a coffee shop, but have your main caffeine boost in the morning to get you going and awake and then to sort of uh, wean yourself off as the day goes on. So you might switch to a lower caffeinated drink a little bit later in the day. And then by the time you get around two o'clock, you're, you're cutting out the caffeine for the rest of the day. That seems to be a pretty good plan for being able to get uh, a good night's sleep without being uh, have without having caffeine's uh, effects interrupted. Yeah, and then there are of course uh, less familiar drugs that might actually be better than your old school uh, stimulants. Mm-hmm. One of them that's gotten a lot of talk is the drug modafinil, which I've heard has fewer side effects than a lot of these other ones do. Yeah. And of course, we are not here advocating that you take drugs. No, uh, we're, we're just talking about this in theory. Um, you can find people online who are hyping this drug and saying, right. oh, I, you know, I, I'm getting so much work done and I, I don't have all these bad side effects. I, again, really want to stress, do not use drugs for off-label use. I mean, people should speak to their doctors about Uh, whatever drugs they're going to use and be honest about the reason for which they want to use them. And I I think, you know, if you're using it so that you don't have you don't lose so much time sleeping, that's going to catch up to you eventually anyway, for these other reasons that we've listed in this in this episode. Uh, And then we've got something here called short sleepers. So is this for people who are four foot tall or less? No, this is actually the fact that some people really do require less sleep. Oh, so this is an idea of like there are some people out there who uh, who eight hours would be too much sleep for them. They I, might just need four or five. Yeah, I, I've seen different estimates for how common this is in the general population. I've seen estimates as small as um, one in a thousand people up to 1% of the population or even up to 5% of the population. Mm -hmm. So I I don't really know how common this is. Um, But it does seem that it actually exists. There are some people, and they're very rare, but they can get by on less than six hours of sleep a night without any trouble. Mm -hmm. This doesn't give them negative health effects. They don't lose any of their competency. It's just how they are. It doesn't seem to be that you can train your body for this. It appears to be a genetic condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so one study I want to talk about, though, that's really interesting and, and how this might bear on the future of reducing our need for sleep. It's a study led by Dr. Ying Hui Fu of the University of California, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And she was part of a team that discovered a gene variant that regulates the length of sleep. Um, so Fu's team discovered that there's this uh, particular mutation in a gene called HDEC2. Oh, in yeah. Humans. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I It's don't. one of your favorite genes. I just want to sound smart. Uh, but so this gene variant, this mutation was correlated with human subjects who averaged about 6.25 hours of sleep every night, while relatives of those subjects who did not carry the mutation slept more than eight hours. Um, and it's important to note that this mutation may not be present in all or even most short sleepers. It was just correlated in this particular instance. And so there may be tons of other genes that create short sleepers. Yeah, we've talked in the past about how complicated genetics are. Like it's it's you know saying that this one gene is responsible for this one and only one thing is uh, being overly simplistic in most cases. Right. But then what Dr. Fu's team discovered that was very interesting 
uh, was when they started studying transgenic mice. So mice have an equivalent gene to the human gene I was talking about. It, instead of HDEC2, it's MDEC2. Does, the, does the mouse M stand version. for mouse? I don't know, but I would hazard a guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when the mice were given a substitute HDEC2 gene in place of that with the same mutation that these two test subjects had who were short sleepers, the mice stayed awake longer than normal mice. Well, to be fair, they may have been wondering why they kept getting injected with human genes. <laughs> that might have been, they might have, you know, they, I'd lose a lot of sleep. If and, you were injecting me with mice genes, I'd definitely be like, what is going on? But go on. Well, you would just, you would be kept awake eating cheese all night. I'm okay with that. Okay. All right. Uh, so the cool thing about this is, that it's possible that what we learn about short sleepers actually could help somebody else become like them. Obviously, that's not knowledge that's available to us today. Right. But this kind of experiment with the mice shows, oh, you know, it might be possible to to introduce genes like this or to at least learn enough about how genes regulate human sleeping patterns that we could make changes that would allow people to have more free time with no adverse health effects. Um, and in fact, Dr. Fu of this study that I was talking about, she was quoted in a Wall Street Journal article where she was saying, my long term goal is to someday learn enough so we can manipulate the sleep pathways without damaging our health. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, it would be really interesting to see that come to pass, because, again, like we've been talking this whole time. I mean, I, I understand people who want to be able to do more stuff. I mean. I certainly feel by the time I go to bed at the end of the day that I didn't accomplish nearly as much as I had hoped just because there's too much to do and not enough time to do it in. So the idea of being able to shave off a few hours from the this activity that I need to do in order for me not to you know, have my immune system break down or, or suffer mental effects, to be able to control that a little bit more is it's certainly attractive. I love the idea of it. Um you know, I, I, and I like the idea of going about it in a scientific manner that uh, is not likely to lead to me feeling worse than I did when I, you know, I started off. But, uh, you know, I'm curious, would you are you still of the mindset where, man, I I wish I could get rid of some of this sleep? Oh, I mean, certainly if, if I could do it without negative health effects. Yeah, I if, mean, I, if I could. that That's the whole thing. I mean, a, a lot of these things are like, oh, here's a trick. But then we have a lot of doubts like, oh, well, yes, you can use drugs to stay up, but they, they don't actually like improve your quality of life. They're right. going to make you sick and hurt you. Right. Uh, you, you can do this sleep schedule where you're awake for longer, but it seems to just be leading to sleep deprivation and, right. and people denying it. Um, or, yeah. or at least as far as we can tell, yeah. maybe, maybe somebody's getting by on polyphasic sleep. Who knows? Right. And then there are these short sleepers out there who a lot of people probably think they are, but they're not. They're just kind of like multitaskers. Yeah, people exactly. People think that they are super taskers, but it turns out they're not. Yeah. All right. I, uh, I'll tell you right now. I know I'm not a short sleeper and I know I'm not a super tasker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have to agree on both counts, <laughs> though. I wish I were a short sleeper. I mean, th that would be great to have more time every day. Yeah, I would like that. Yeah, I, I could see where, uh, I, you know, there are some things I would love to be able to do that I have put off because I just know that I don't have the time for it. So it would be nice to have a little extra time. Uh, in, in much more modest news of improving the future of sleep, there is this other idea of having something like a 
sleep cycle alarm. Have you heard about this? Yeah. Is this the thing where it kind of monitors how you're doing when you're sleeping and, and wakes you up at the opportune time? Yeah. And and that actually appeals to me a lot. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. I, I, I hate getting up in the morning, you know, oh, God, you know. Yeah. Uh, morning times can be great, but getting out of bed can be a real drag. Well, a lot of times the trouble there is that you are waking up, your alarm clock is going off at a time when it is really not the best time in your sleeping cycle. Yeah, it's to completely, awake. it's completely external and disconnected from what's going on inside you. Yeah. Um, so it, the, the thinking behind an alarm clock like this is that it monitors your sleep cycles. Right. And that it can tell, oh, okay, now is the best time to wake him up. Right. You're coming out of one of those those deeper sleep uh, troughs. And then this would make it easier and less uh, jarring to get you up at this time. Because like I was saying earlier, like, you know, when you've got those very slow patterns going on in your brain, it's harder to wake you up. And that would make you probably feel more disoriented and grouchy. Uh, I'm a morning person, but I hate alarms, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I would much prefer to have one that as long as it was getting me up at around the right time each day. I mean, I am i don't need it to be exactly on the dot every single day in a row. Uh, I, I would love that. Yeah. And so obviously I don't know exactly how well this particular model works, but it, it, if it could work as well as they claim, then. I mean, that's a cool invention. If I can get one that will just gently pat my head and say, there, there, it's all going to be okay. And then, you know, just kind of gently leads me down the stairs and cooks me breakfast. It wakes you up with ASMR. There you go. Yeah. Get on that. Listen Um, to me turn these pages. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I'm waking up now. Yeah. (laughs) Paper. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go read. Uh, yeah. No, that really does sound appealing to me. I like the idea of, you know, because, again, we're not talking necessarily about um, cutting down on the number of hours you're sleeping, but rather, uh, you know, finding the best way to wake up so that you're you are the most effective you can be for as long as you're awake. Because, I mean, there's that time like if you if your alarm goes off when you are in deep sleep, you know, I'm sure most of us don't aren't as productive or, uh, you know, proactive or however you want to put it for those first few moments because we're battling the fact that we we want to still be asleep. So this would allow us to kind of transition more effectively into that wakeful state. So I think that would be great. Um, anyway, that kind of wraps up our discussion about the future of sleep. I don't think we'll be genetically engineering it completely out of our systems anytime <laughs> soon. Maybe when the singularity comes and we become robots, we won't need to sleep anymore. But until that time, make sure you get your sleep. You know, if you if you can sneak in a nap, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Do it. If you can sleep in a nap at my work, that's weird. Because I don't think any of my coworkers listen to this podcast. And so it would just be a strange person to sleep in the office. But hey, if you can pull it off, that's kind of exciting um don't try and pull it off people i don't i don't want to be responsible for it get all the angry email yeah i got fired because of you (laughs) i thought you're supposed to help me i don't want to get the angry email from our site director saying you're going to get fired because of these people (laughs) that's what i don't want but what i do want is for our listeners to write in and let us know what you think you know what, what do you think about the future of sleep or what other topics would you like us to talk about 
Let us know. You can send us an email. Our address is fwthinking at discovery.com or drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. We're at all three of those with the handle fwthinking. And we'll talk to you again really soon. Pleasant dreams. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.